The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to Monday morning. I hope you are well, and everybody had a great weekend. Yesterday, Mr. Benny, I think. <laughs> Mr. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tough sorry. weekend for you, huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long. Well, you know, yesterday, I was going to say, wasn't that like the first day that we've actually been in, like, 70-degree uh, weather? Oh, man, it was it was. Simply amazing and starstruck for a, a lot of things. I mean, we had a celebration of life yesterday for uh, family on our side of things, so it turned out to be a wonderful day. And I know for everyone around the Puget Sound area, I mean, you couldn't just pass it up. And it was, it's. I'm waiting for the summer to really move into full form after that. I am too. Yeah. And I wish that it would. It, aren't we like the 23rd of May? Yes. And this is the first day of the year that we got up to 70 degrees. I know. Well, almost. Was there another one? Just a few days or weeks ago, there was a like, week and a half ago, we like blipped it. <laughs> and I'm like, you tease. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then now today it's going to be eight degrees cooler right. well, than okay. it was no yesterday. Deal. But what do you do? Looking forward to it do? no matter what. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. we got a great show for you today. I hope yeah. you're hanging with mm -hmm. us the entire mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be talking about emotions, ah. and we've got a gentleman with us. He's a Ph.D. He's a psychologist and a best-selling author. While he, um, while he is now the emotions doctor, he, uh, um, he grew up as an emotion avoider, and uh, because of his work, he's got two great books out. Uh, one of them is called Emotions. Uh, as a tool for self-help guide for um, for controlling your life and your feelings. And also the one that I want to talk about a lot is Beyond Anger Management, because uh, that one is, uh, um, I think, really apropos for today's world of everybody's getting all angry and stuff at each other and, and stuff like that. So, Ed Dobb, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Kevin. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to today. It's going to be awesome. I, I'm really glad you're here. And, you know, in your bio, I was reading that it says that you, when you grew up, you were an emotions evader or avoider. avoider. Describe what that means. Well, in my family, emotions were kind of, they were pushed underneath the surface. They were there, but they weren't really acknowledged. And so I grew up saying that emotion, like most people, I grew up saying emotions are messy and I don't want to deal with them. I remember one incident, my dad, who was a, a very good father and was never abusive, but he got really angry at my sister, my older sister, and he's chasing her around the house, carrying this piece of roast beef. Now, he never caught her, and I don't know what he would have done if he had caught her. Probably he wouldn't have known what to do, but the message to me was that don't get angry, because when you're angry, you do dumb things. 
And so I, I grew up avoiding emotions. So was the roast beef cooked or it raw? Was cooked. Yes. No, it was cooked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's well, that's that's a little bit better than slapping somebody up the side with a raw piece of meat. Exactly. And it just and so the message to me was is don't deal with emotions. And so I went into my head and I I became cognitive, if you will. I thought I'm going to deal with everything by thinking it through. And that worked for me until I got into graduate school. And I got into graduate school and I was I had done everything. I was was doing my internship in the San Francisco Bay Area where I grew up. And I went to this, my neighbor of my parents, and this guy was the director of the Henry Olaf House, which was a drug treatment program, alcoholic and drug treatment. And I said to him, I'd like to sit in on your groups. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a piece of cake for me. And the guy said, no. I said, what do you mean, no? He said, well, I'll tell you what, what you can do is you can sit in as a participant observer. And I thought, cool, I'm just about ready to get my PhD. I'm a psychologist, all but official. This would be easy. It took these folks six months. And by the way, I never had a problem with drugs or alcohol. It took them six months. And they called me, Kevin, they called me a, literally a non-drinking alcoholic. I'd never heard the term before. But what they were saying is they pushed their emotions down and avoided them by drinking. I did it by going into my books and my academics. It was totally an eye-opener for me. And what that said to me is emotions are out there and you need to recognize them. So you were a, a what they would call a dry alcoholic, which meant that you had the alcoholic tendencies without any of the fun. Yes, that's exactly correct. So, you know, and I wanted to ask you because uh, and talk to you about this a little bit, because I know your family was emotionless or hid their emotions. My family did the same, as did my former wife's family. And so it's, I think it's a much bigger, and Benny, I don't know about you. Um, by the way, you were going to make a comment about the uh, raw piece of meat. I uh, know uh, I was not. You had it all we, taken care of. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but so Benny in the household that you grew up in, and I don't really know what that, that was like for you, but did, did they stuff emotions or was, was emotions a freewheeling thing? Uh, it was a little bit of both, to be honest. I mean, I had a father who was a doctor, he was general practice. So, you know, a lot of the stuff he had to deal with kind of kept it to himself. And then, you know, for my mom, you know, you have to be there as a partner and spousal, um, support, it was harder for him to come out. And then, of course, she, though, knew it was tough for him to get to us because he was very logical about a lot of things and doing the, you know, the doctor stuff. But then my mom kind of counterbalanced that down to us to be a little more open. Um, oh, that's. The, yeah, so there was a there, Yeah, there was a good balance, though, and also challenge on, on both fronts. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. see, in like in my wife's uh, world and my world, um, it was a superficial existence. Mm. We did not deal with emotions. The family didn't. And even if there was a, a blow up on a particular day, by the mm -hmm. next morning, it was expected to be, oh, cupcakes and rainbows and everything is yeah. all done. Mm -hmm. And and we're not going to talk, talk about that anymore. But the underlying things didn't get said that needed to get said. Right. And I think, uh, uh, Dr. Ed, those are the, some of the things that you're, you're talking about. Isn't that right? Well, yeah, that, that is what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and what happens is I sensed that the emotions were there, but I wasn't in a position really to deal with them. 
and I and so I just avoided them. And I mean that worked. Life went on, and I mean there were no major outbursts as, as per se, so it, it didn't matter until I get into a situation where I had to deal with the emotions, and that happened when I took my first job. Now, when I took my first job, I was working for the California Youth Authority, and I was working with young women who had been abused in a number of different ways. And the way they dealt with their emotions is they either hurt themselves or they hurt others or they acted out criminally. And I also had to deal with, as a trainer, I had to deal with jaded correctional staff. And these folks didn't want to deal with emotions because they're messy, especially female emotions. So what they did is they just avoided them. So I thought, here I am. Now I've got to come up with a way. I've got to be able to work with my, my clients and I've got to train staff. And so I came up with the idea of emotions as tools. It's a metaphor. Everybody understands what tools are. You have all different kinds of tools. You've got cell phones. You've got computers. You've got TV remotes. You've got sewing machines or bandsaws, whatever it is. Or for my correctional staff, they had their handcuffs and their mace and their batons. So once I could now say, look, yeah, this, this emotional stuff seems to be messy, but if you understand that it's just a tool, now you can learn how to use the tool. And once you learn how to use the tool, you now can use your emotions to interact with others, to improve your own life, and to, to, to be able to, to go forward. So once I got the idea of emotions as tools, now I could use that then to help others understand what was going on, whether it was the staff or whether it was the young women. And, and for your listeners, they need to understand that when it comes to emotions, we in our culture, we get cheated because emotions are not dealt with. In no, in no area other than maybe positive talk radio, do we understand what emotions are. We're never trained. We are never taught how to deal with them. And so we're just kind of left to, to figure it out on our own. And we don't do a very good job of it. That's where I come in. Well, and I'll tell you, the, the uh, insidious thing about that is when you hide your emotions and you bury them, you can do that for a period of time. Yes. But eventually, they're going to come forward in a way that you not only didn't expect, but can be also very damaging to you, your relationships, and everyone around you because of what happened maybe 20 years ago that you've been burying for so long. Is that right? That's correct. But your listeners also need to understand why that is. Because here's, 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 here's the background. We are all hardwired to experience emotions. We've been this way since we lived in caves. In fact, our emotions helped us survive as a species. So we are born with emotions. If you've got an infant, you can see your infant gets angry. Your infant gets sad. There are five primary emotions, mad, sad, glad, fear, disgust, and surprise. We're born with them. They're hardwired in. And the emotions are there to protect us. Most of them, except for happiness and surprise, are threat detectors. So you are hardwired to detect threat in your environment. Now, when we lived in caves, that everything worked perfectly because all the threats out there would kill us. They were saber-toothed tigers or whatever it happened to be. The problem is that today, the threats we perceive are psychological, not survival-based threats. They're threats to our ego. 
There are threats to our, our attaining a goal, whatever it happens to be. But the underlying process is the same. So we are hardwired to experience threat. When we perceive a threat, our body through the amygdala in our brain automatically puts us into fight or flight. Now, because of this, people tend to think that our emotions control us. They don't. It's only the first step where we recognize the emotions and our body puts us on alert. So it feels like our emotions control us. And that's one of the major myths. People say, well, my anger controls me. I get angry and I act out and I do dumb stuff. Well, yeah, that's true. But you have the option because we now can think. We now have the options to assess the nature of the threat and choose a response. So your listeners need to understand that they can learn how to use their emotions as tools to improve their own lives and their interactions with others. They don't have to get hijacked by the emotions, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. If you if you understand, but you see, that's where a lot of that's where a lot of people have a disconnect. By the way, we're talking with Dr. Edward Dobb. If you'd like to give us a call, if you have a a point in your life where you are um, dealing with your emotions, but you may not be understanding them, or he can help you work with through that. So if you want to give us a call and talk to my good friend, Benny, that would be awesome. And, uh, um, and, and that number is 425-373-5527. Or there's another one, 888-298-5569. And you'll be able to talk to the good doctor about um, an issue that you may, you may be having that you may not even be aware that you're having. Because that's one of the insidious things about not understanding your emotions and you're not even sure you're having the emotions when you're having the emotions. Is that, <laughs> did that make any sense at all, sir? Yes, it, it does. And, and, and Kevin, let me just correct it. It's Dobby. Dobby. I'm sorry. Good. Gotcha. Yeah, no, no worries, but yes, you're, you're correct. Now, how do people know that they're going to have emotions? There's a couple of ways. What I would like people to learn is when their body tells them they're experiencing emotions and it depends. Sometimes for, for me, like let's take anxiety. For me, I feel anxiety in, in my stomach. My stomach starts to churn. For anger, they may, they may feel a warmth in their head or their muscles may tighten. That's the, the most effective way to learn that you're experiencing emotions. But sometimes you may have to look at what you do. You may have to say, well, wait a minute, look at my actions. And the way to do that is we're far more effective at looking at other people than we are at looking at ourselves. So you can use that and you can say, look, if I saw somebody else acting like an idiot, I would be able to say, well, they're acting like an idiot. Maybe they're angry or whatever they're doing. When I myself act like an idiot, I'm desensitized to that. So people, your listeners need to, to become aware of their own behavior what they do when they're angry. And then they can use that information and then they can say, wait a minute, I'm acting like somebody who was angry. Therefore, I must be angry. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. And and a lot of times if you, when you're acting like you're angry, you are angry. And that's, that's, yes. But there but there's no sometimes there's no I don't know when I, when I, I, I don't get angry much anymore. A lot of times it's when I'm driving, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of a, a, a base thing, but, um, but a lot of times you don't even know why you're getting angry. You're just getting angry just because, 
uh, I, at least at least at my framework. Is that is that weird or is that kind of normal? No, that's correct. But but there's another part to that, and the other part to that is that you may not be aware of the reason for your anger, the basis for your anger. Now here's here's the thing. Let's let's take. Let's take anxiety as, as an example, because I can illustrate that. When I was teaching, I was, I was, and I was working, I was going from my office to my, um, oh, to, to teaching. So I went from my office to the university, and I began to experience what, for me, is anxiety. Now, what I did was, I said, wait a minute, okay, I'm anxious here. And I went through a kind of a checklist in my head. Is everything okay at home? Yeah. Is everything okay at work? Yeah. Is everything okay with my lecture notes? Yes. And I decided there really was no reason for me to be anxious. So I just ignored it. I don't know. Maybe it was gas. Who knows what it was? But I just, I just ignored it. Now, what I could have done is I could have gone into an emotional spiral. I could have said, you know what? I'm feeling anxious. I don't know what I'm anx anx anxious about. Therefore, I must be really in deep yogurt. And I would have just cycled and gotten more and more anxious. Now, let's take anger. Let's say I'm feeling angry. And I'm saying, okay, what is it that I'm angry about? Is there any threat? Well, I don't perceive a threat. Nothing seems to be going on. So maybe I'm just angry about, or I'm thinking about something in the past, but there's nothing right here and now that I need to be angry about. In which case, you need to let it go. Now, I need to say something else about that because let's talk about fear. Fear is a present-based emotion, the message of which is there is a threat and the threat's going to hurt me. Now, you don't want to ignore fear. You can ignore anger if nothing's going on, but you don't want to ignore fear as in you're getting ready to step into an elevator and you see somebody there, and this is probably more for women than it is for men, but it works for both. And this guy looks fine. He's not doing anything that, that's suspicious, but your gut tells you this is this guy to be avoided. Take the next elevator because you want to acknowledge that fear. You're sensing something and you want to validate it and act on it. Gotcha. And uh, by the way, if you'd like to give us a call and talk to uh, uh, Dr. Dabe, uh, and by the way, I had a 50% chance of getting the right name. And, uh, uh, that's why I don't gamble, uh, <laughs> because I, yeah. So Dr. Dabe is here and we do have a, our first caller and it's from Encino, California. And, uh, um, Benny, who, who do we have? It's Veronica. Hi, Veronica. Hi guys. <laughs> Howdy. I'm actually the first. I'm shocked. <laughs> well, thank you for calling. You're welcome. Um, my question for Dr. Dobby is this. Um, a lot of times what gets us into trouble with our emotions is that knee-jerk reaction that we get, and we don't have necessarily have time to, re to go through the communication in our head to try and decipher exactly what we're feeling. So my question for you is how do you give yourself pause to just kind of stop and then you can have that conversation with you rather than having a knee-jerk reaction to what you're feeling. That's, that's a really good question. And here's, here's my answer to that. You have to, be, you have to practice responding to your emotions. 
And what I mean by that is this, when you experience an emotion, regardless of what it is, and it sounds silly that you might want to do this with when you're being happy, but you're learning a process. And the process is this, when you experience an emotion, the first thing you want to do is take a physical step back from the situation. If you're experiencing emotion like anger, that creates physical safety because you're separating yourself from what's going on. The second step you want to take is to take a deep breath. Now, you, don't, you can take a deep breath and then take a step back. The order is not important. The taking a deep breath, what that does is it lowers your emotional arousal. And so now you're in a position to begin to assess what's going on. And you, it's something you have to practice because it's not something that comes naturally. So when you experience emotion, take a physical step back from the situation and take a deep breath. Now you're in a position to ask yourself what's actually going on. So if you're, in a, if you're experiencing anger, you take a physical step back from the situation, you take a deep breath and you ask yourself, what is the nature of the threat that I'm perceiving? If you're experiencing sadness, the message of sadness is I've experienced loss. You take a physical step back from the situation, you take a deep breath, and then you say, okay, what do I need to do? Well, with sadness, you need to allow yourself time to mourn. So the answer to your question, Veronica, and again, it's an excellent question, is when you experience emotion, practice taking a physical step back, take a deep breath. And if you practice that, and now it becomes something that you can do automatically, you're now in a position to deal with whatever emotion comes up. Does that make sense? It does. I, I really appreciate that. I'm, I have a bunch of people I want to share that with. <laughs> Well, you know, thank you, Veronica. But and you know, just just in my world, when I am when I'm coherent and cognizant and can honestly take a step back, I can. But a lot of times, it's a reactionary thing. If like it's anger, if somebody's angry with me, I tend to be angry back to them, and it's not a matter. I, there's not enough time, <laughs> doctor. There's just not enough time for me to step back and say, you know, and and uh, and deal with that emotion. I tend to snap back. You're you're right, Kevin. And here's what I would suggest to you: since you know that this is what you do, you can be sitting, or you wherever you happen to be, or even driving. You can say to yourself, the next time I experience anger, I am going to take a physical step back and I'm going to take a deep breath. Now what you're doing is you're kind of preparing yourself for the next time it happens. And I can tell you, you're going to do this. And the next time it happens, you're still going to react and do whatever you're going to do because it's, it's something you have to learn. You are learning a new habit. So you practice this in your head. The next time I get angry, I am going to take a physical step back and I'm going to take a deep breath. And over time, <clears throat> excuse me, over time, you will train yourself to do that. And at some point, you're going to find you're going to begin to get angry and you're going to take a physical step back and you're going to take a deep breath and you're going to look at yourself and you're going to say, wow, did I just do that? And the answer is going to be yes. Well, that's, that would be a good thing. Veronica, what do you think about that? I think that's fantastic. I, I, I didn't even think of that, and I definitely can use that myself. 
Well, it's it, it would be <laughs> it would be awfully good if we if we had the cognitive ability to just to stop when somebody gets mad at us or something happens and stop and reflect and stuff. But I think I think that's very well said, uh, Doctor. Is that you've got to you've got to assess yourself and to and to step back from it. And and even today, as as much knowledge as I have. Even today, I still find myself when I get angry, I'm just about ready to maybe take action. And then my brain kicks in and says, no, wait a minute. You have to stop and you have to take a deep and do what I'm suggesting. So it's a, it's a habit that you have to learn. And once it's there, it doesn't mean it's always going to work. But if it works more often than it doesn't, you're still in better shape. Well, it certainly would cause you to have a lot less things you have to apologize for. That's true. <clears throat> well, let me give you an, an example. <clears throat> when my daughter was was very young and um, I was responsible for taking care of her, my wife had gone somewhere and I'm watching a TV program and I really wanted to watch a TV program. And my daughter was was crying in the crib. And I went back and I checked on her. her. Diaper was fine. And I went back and I went and I started watching my program and she started crying again. And I went back and the third time I got angry because what was happening now in my head, she was preventing me from watching my program. Now, how dumb is that? Yes, I understand that. So I walked into a room, right? And I'm pissed and I'm walking towards the crib and halfway across the room, my brain says, stop. I stopped, I took a breath, and I, I turned around and went back to, to watching my TV, and then she went back to sleep. I was fortunate now that I had built that in so that it automatically happened. And I'm telling you that even as much knowledge as I have, <clears throat> I have to practice this, and you will have to practice it too. But once it's there, you can pretty much rely on it. It's take a deep breath, take a step back, and then assess what's going on. Oh, gotcha. And I, speaking of which, of what's going on, I have just figured out that there is a, if you're hearing some background noise, it's because there's heavy machinery outside of my door just right there. And so if you hear that, uh, that's that's what that is. I can't control that. But, but that's one of those things that could make you angry if you can't control something like that. Yes, Kevin, but let me let me make a correction, please. Because what you said is what most people will say. That made me angry. And that's, that's, but, and that's part of the issue. Because no, nothing makes you angry. You perceive a situation which is a threat. And yes, that machinery out there is a threat to your broadcast. You don't want that extra noise. But the machinery out there isn't making you angry. It's your perception of the machinery as a threat that is, created, that is eliciting the anger. If you understand that, now you're in a position to say, is it really a threat? Well, it's unfortunate and I don't like it, but no, it's not a threat because you're going to continue to do your program anyway. Well, it's also completely and totally out of my control. That's absolutely correct. And so there's no point in getting angry about stuff that you cannot control and which, which happens, you know, I, and I, isn't, isn't that one of the reasons why we get angry the way we do is because something will happen that is totally out of our control, but it's not what we want to have happen, but it just happens. And so we get angry about it. We do, but let's take a look at that. Let's break that down. 
Okay, it's something we can't control, but it is getting in the way of you moving forward on your goal in the moment, which is to have a quiet broadcast. So you can't control it, but it is a perceived threat to your goal. And because it's a perceived threat, you are getting angry and you want to overpower and you want to blow up the machine out there. I'm exaggerating here, but you want to eliminate the Not threat. Not by much. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if you, if you understand that. Now you can say, how real is the threat? And it is a minor threat but it's not a major threat in a sense. It's not, it's not inhibiting you from doing what you want to do. Well, that's, that's, that's true. That's, that's true. And uh, although, you know, I marriage of thoughts run through your mind, like, like Benny, who's a professional is going to go, that sounds really terrible. What do you, what, what the hell are you doing? And it's like, it's out of my control. I can't do anything about it. And uh, so we just manage it the best we can. That's exactly correct. And so in that case, you say, you know what? I can't do anything about the, the threat. I can still perceive my goal. So I'm going to let go of the anger and let it dissipate. And it will. And it does. Well, we certainly hope so. I wish they'd quit it, though. <laughs> that would be nice. Can, can you hear that in the background? Yeah, you got some construction working going on. What's going on there? I, you know, and the, the, <laughs> the, the, the most irritating thing about that, guys, is that they never tell you when they're coming or why they're coming or what they're doing, they just show up. But that does that does mean we do have a, a um, an open line that since Veronica's <laughs> gone away. So if you yeah. want to give us a call to talk to the good doctor, you can, 425-373-5527. Save me from myself so I can go on mute, uh, 425-373-5527 or 888-298-5569. And, uh, and you can talk to the doctor about your emotions um, and how they affect you and how they affect your family. It, it really is, uh, I tell you, doctor, it really, it cost me my marriage. It was that insidious of a thing, the fact that we couldn't come to terms with our emotions on a deeper level to have a deep conversation about what was going on in our marriage. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and that doesn't surprise me. I mean, you take a look at people getting angry today and what is costing them? They're going to jail. They're doing dumb things. They're acting out. They're hurting their spouses. They're hurting their wives. And there are some very real consequences to it. <clears throat> and the challenge is that the people who are acting out don't take responsibility for their anger. They blame other people for doing things that make them angry. Now, what we need to understand in terms of anger for men and for women is that men tend to default to anger. Men tend to deal with, with emotions like anxiety and sadness and those kinds of emotions that we don't like because they're, they, they don't feel good. They're hedonically negative, if you will, hedonically meaning what we experience. So we don't feel good, but anger now is empowering. So if I'm sad or I'm anxious, I'd rather experience anger and express that. <clears throat> excuse me that's anger is a secondary emotion and and many people anger's gotten a bad rap because people say that anger is always a secondary emotion it isn't secondary emotion being an emotion that we're using to cover up another emotion sometimes anger is real and it's legitimate 
But at other times, we as men tend to default to anger. And we need to understand that. We need to learn that it's okay for us to be sad, even though the display rules in this country say, no, it's not, because sadness is weakness. No, it's not. When you are sad, you've got a reason for being sad. You need to let yourself experience that sadness and work through it. Otherwise, it doesn't go away. Yeah. Oh, but that would mean that would mean we'd have to be emotionally available. See, in in for us, and a lot of times, for at least for men, I can speak to, anger is an acceptable emotion because we're we're men and we get angry and we're tough and and stuff. Whereas sadness is not an acceptable emotion because that shows <laughs> weakness and tears and stuff like that. And men, and big boys don't cry. Did you know that? I knew that it's just not necessarily the best way to live your life. And here's, but here's what I'm saying. No, you don't want to be sad at work necessarily, but in the, in the solitude of your home, you can be sad. You can let yourself experience it. I'm not saying walk around being sad and crying and being anxious and all that. What I'm saying is as a man, recognize the emotion and allow yourself to experience it in an appropriate setting, as opposed to avoiding it all the time. That's the difference, Kevin, that I'm saying. So if I'm anxious about something, I may, and I'm a boss, I may not go to my subordinates and say, you know, I'm really nervous about this. I might, depending on the situation, but not necessarily. But if I'm in my own office, I might say, you know what, I'm really nervous about this. And my anxiety is telling me there's a situation that I need to give some attention to. So then I can use that anxiety to motivate me to take whatever action I need to take. My students do this, by the way. They use their anxiety as eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, which motivates them to study or prepare for the upcoming report, the upcoming interview, whatever it happens to be, as opposed to anxiety as distress, D-I-S-S-T-R-E-S-S, which is where our anxiety binds us all up and we can't take any action at all. Gotcha. So if I understand this, I may not let other people see that I'm anxious as a man. I may not display it, but I'm going to recognize it and I'm not going to avoid it because it's giving me information I need to have in order to be productive. How do you advocate that somebody helps somebody who is emotionally unavailable become emotionally available? That's a very good question. <laughs> and sometimes it's never, it's not going to work at all. But at other times, what you can do is you can say to them, you know, this is a tough situation that, that we're in, or this is, a, I, as a friend of yours, I can see that this looks like it's a tough situation for you. What are you feeling? And they may say, well, I'm not feeling anything, which is probably what they're going to say. Yep. Okay. And then you might say, well, you know, what I'm what if I were in that situation, what I might be experiencing is nervousness or what I might be experiencing is sadness. And if you were experiencing that, I would totally understand. And you may have to do that several times before the person begins to say, yeah, I can see that. This is kind of a sad situation. They may not be experiencing at that point but they're acknowledging it cognitively. And that's a first step. And there has to be a first step. 
and before there, there can be a second step. Exactly. How, you, don't, you don't want to push that person to feel because they've avoided their feelings and that's worked for them, at least on the surface. How do you, um, when you're talking with somebody on a, and on a deeper level, and um, how do you encourage them to feel their, their emotions when they've spent their whole life denying the depth and the feeling of them? That's a hard hill to climb. And the reason for that is, is you're suggesting to them that they need to be vulnerable. Yes. And being vulnerable is scary. Yes. And that may be the way that you have to approach them. If you can say to them, if you have a relationship which allows you to say, if you are going to experience emotions, which I know are there, even though you may not be feeling them because we all have them and you can't get rid of them, that's going to mean that you're going to be feeling vulnerable and being vulnerable is scary. So you don't want to feel vulnerable in a situation where you can't control it. But if you're with me, it's okay to feel vulnerable because I'm not going to take advantage of you. So let's work on this together to help you begin to explore the emotions that are there. And the reason why you want to experience the emotions is because you are acting on the basis of those emotions anyway. You're doing things that you may not like doing because the emotions are there. So you've got them. So let's examine those emotions and learn to experience them so they can work for you, not against you. What do you do when you are trying to have this deep conversation and you and uh, in, in the midst of the conversation somewhere, you say, so what are you feeling? And they start to cry and then they shut down and they're not they don't know what they're feeling. Uh, because some people are so emotionally bankrupt that they don't even know the feelings. They, they express the feelings like anger and, and some, some of those that are easy to express. But when you're really trying to get down to what is actually going on inside of that individual, and I know you worked with, with kids that were having emotional problems and with, and with um, people that were in the um, um, in the um, um, justice system that were um, spent a lot of time and were a little jaded and stuff. But how do you really get somebody to open up to you when they don't know how? Baby steps, Kevin. And what I mean by that is this. If somebody is crying and you know they don't want to acknowledge the emotions they're feeling, you can say to them, you know, I don't know what you're feeling on the inside, but your crying tells me that you may be sad about something, sad or hurt. So if that's the case, let's take a look at the situation. What might be going on that you might feel that you've lost something or you might feel that you're hurt? So what may be going on here? <clears throat> and you're going from the behavior to the emotion by by suggesting the emotions there but not pushing it because they're going to say no i'm not sad or no i'm not hurt and that and you say okay i understand that but the crying suggests that something's going on 
what's happening with you right now that in your life that might lead to the crying? Not cause it, but might lead to the crying. Right. And, right. Then, and, and then over time, you may then, you're giving them permission to experience those emotions, but it's going to take a long time because remember, for them, their best way to interact with the world, the safest way, is by not experiencing those emotions. And you don't want to take away that safety. You want to acknowledge it. Gotcha. That's how I would deal with it. I would say, you know, it's really safe for you not to deal with the emotions because of how you grew up, what was going on in your family, whatever it is, and that's fine. I do not want to affect that safe, that feeling of safety, because you need to feel safe. You need to feel like you're not vulnerable, you're protected, and you are, because I'm never going to take advantage of you. But the emotions are there and you're experiencing it. Well, how do I know that? Because you're crying, because you're getting angry. I know the emotions are there. So let's see if over time we can make it safe for you to experience that emotion and acknowledge it. And then once you do that, now it becomes a tool that you can use. Now, if they're, if they're used to using tools like, let's say, a, a bandsaw, <clears throat> all right, then I would use that as an example. I would say, look, if you don't use, you, you tried to use the bandsaw one time and you almost cut your finger off and you never went back to using the bandsaw because you were afraid that if you use the bandsaw, oh, maybe not a good example. Let's take a car. You drive a, you're driving a car and you get in an accident because you didn't use the car the right way. And you decide, I'm never gonna, get, never gonna drive again. Well, you can do that and you'll be safe, but you're not going to be able to get to the store to buy groceries. So let's help you learn how to use the car effectively. I think that's a better example than the bandsaw. We're going to use the car. We're going to take baby steps. We're going to teach you how to drive it. We're going to teach you how to be safe in it and so forth and so on. Now you can have it, use it as a tool. Is that better as an example? Yes, yes, because if you, if you stop driving, you're going to have to take the bus to get to where you're going, and that certainly isn't safer than driving. I can tell you that from personal experience. Yes, that's exactly correct. And so the tool is there, but you need to learn how to use it. And when it comes to emotions, you're experiencing the emotions. They're there. They're affecting your behavior, but you're not using the tool to your best advantage. So let's help you learn how to do that and feel safe in the process. And by the way, if you folks would like to, um, Dr. Ed uh, Dobby, <clears throat> excuse me, is an author, and he's written a couple of books, Emotions as Tools, a Self-Help Guide to Controlling Your Life, Not Your Feelings, and Beyond Anger Management, Master Your Anger as, as a Strategic Tool. And you can pick up both of those at, uh, Barn, or at Barnes & Noble. At uh, You can order them there. You can order them just about anywhere. Uh, they're they're all over the place, and and uh, it is something that we as a culture don't talk a lot about um, is emotions. And and Kevin, the reason why I put my the title of my first book, "Control Your Your Life, Not Your Feelings," is because what we are trained to believe is we need to control our feelings, and it's difficult to do. The only time control comes into the emotional process is where you experience the you experience yourself with, with the emotion because the way the emotional process works is this we're constantly scanning our environment all the time for threat 
we, we experience a threat subconsciously, our body goes into fight or flight, and there's no control over that. The control comes in where we, now I'm, I'm, okay, I'm experiencing anger, I'm experiencing anxiety. That's where I take a step back and take a deep breath. That's where the control comes in. You're not controlling the emotion. You can control what you do with the emotion and the behavior. But what I want people to do is I want to them to control their life by using their emotions to give them information about how they're seeing what's going on so they can take an effective action and respond to that situation. I don't want them necessarily controlling their emotions because it doesn't work in the long run. Yes, I can, I can put my anger down so I don't experience it, but I'm going to experience, it's going to come out in some other way. Sure. That's, what anger, that's what anger does. And the other emotions are the same way. They don't go away. You can suppress them, but they're not going to go away. I'd rather have people learn to control their lives by using their emotions. And I would also give your listeners this other source of information, which is my, in addition to my books, which is my blog, which is the emotionsdoctor.com. T-H-E-E-M-O-T-I-O-N-S-D-O-C-T-O-R, the emotionsdoctor.com. There's a ton of information there on what emotions are, why we have them, how we can learn to master them as tools. It's a free source. And when you go to that, the emotionsdoctor.com, go up to the index tab, click on it, and you will have access to all of my posts by category. It's a, it's a very, there's a lot of information there. Which, which is really awesome because quite frankly, we have to have emotions. Yes. If we were, if we did not have emotions, it would be a very boring life for all of us. Indeed. And it would, I don't know how many of your, your listeners are Star Trek fans. Well, I, I certainly am. Yes, so, as, as am I. But let me give you an example from Star. Everybody's heard of, of Spock, the Vulcan. Yes. So Spock has, on, on Vulcan, they've got rid of all emotions. Logic. So, Logic, yes. So Spock is now in charge. They're on this planet. They're marooned on this planet. He's got his crew. He's doing everything which is logically correct, and he's getting all the wrong responses. And the reason is because he may be logical, but the people, his crew that he's dealing with are emotional. And until he recognizes those emotions, he can't move forward. They want to bury their dead. And what he's saying is, and logically, he's correct, by the way, we can't do anything about the dead. We need to get off this planet because the monsters are going to attack us. And the crew are saying, nope, we need to bury our dead. That's an emotion. So once he does that, then he can do what he needs to do. The crew is they're all in the same place and they exit the planet. So logic is good. But when you're dealing with people, emotions are going to be there and you need to recognize them and learn how to deal with them. You and your listeners all have emotions. They're hardwired. You can't get rid of them. And, and nor do you want to. Nor do you um, want to. Because, you know, in, 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 the, in the proper setting, you can use emotions in a very, very positive way. Uh, you can use excitement. You can use love. You can use camaraderie. You can use all of the things. We're a team. We're working together. We're all going after this goal, and they're excited about it. And that, so it can be a very positive thing as well. It can. Now, let me give you an example of using an emotion as tool. In, in this case, it's anger. 
years ago, I went on to LinkedIn and I went on to a woman's forum and I asked this question. I'm a man. I want to know what happens when you as a woman express anger appropriately, by the way. 2,000 responses later from women who were in work settings, they were business owners, a variety of different settings. They said, I as a woman cannot express anger without being labeled, called names, marginalized, and so forth. And here's what I suggested to them. Okay, if you're a woman and you're in a work setting and you are angry because your boss is mistreating you, has stolen your work, whatever it happens to be, you can default to sadness, which is what women tend to do when they get angry because our display rule says women aren't allowed to get angry. Or what you can do is you can take that anger and don't show it outwardly, but keep the anger and use the energy of that anger to make a plan to deal with that boss who's a threat. I suggested they take a project management approach to it. Now in project management, what do you do? You have a project that you are, are assigned to complete. You take a look at what your resources are. You take a look at what the project is asking you to do, and you make a plan to get that project done. So in this case, the project is, how do I nullify this boss who is stealing my work? What are my options here? What resources do I have? Now, you're still angry, but nobody knows you're angry because you can't display it. You're using your emotion as a strategic tool to eliminate a threat. And again, I need to say, you're using the anger, you're not displaying it, but you're keeping it, you're not denying it, you're validating it, and you're using it and the energy it gives you to get the job done, to eliminate the threat. And I'll tell you what, that is the, the most dangerous type of woman or person that you want to have out there that is display, not displaying their anger, not letting you know, not giving you the satisfaction that you know that they're angry, but going about it and uh, putting a plan into place to uh, get the appropriate response and to get the, the not the revenge, but the, the needed outcome. Right. And, and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to empower both men and women to use their emotions as strategic tools. I'm, I'm not saying let's, let's, let's empower that woman to be sneaky. I'm saying if she's in a position where she can't or is not allowed to be angry, then let her be angry. Now, if she's in a position where she can say to you, look, I'm pissed, that's far more effective and far more adaptive. And that's what I would prefer. So if you're in a situation where you got a sneaky woman, maybe you need to say to her, you know, it's okay for you to be angry in this context. I, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. It is better to have to know that somebody is angry rather than to have them walk up behind you and and uh, and stab you in the back. That's right. that's that's not that's not appropriate either. Uh, but I like to in my management career. I, I was a restaurant manager for a long time, and in my career, I loved to uh, build a positive um, movement going forward to like on a Friday night. Let's get excited about taking care of people on a Friday night. And so I would go around the building and I would tell everybody, I'd talk to everybody and say, we're going to be, we're going to be busy. So we got to be ready. We're going to have some fun tonight and stuff like that. So you can actually use emotions in a real positive way to get the outcome that you want to get from the group of people or an individual, can't you? Oh, absolutely. And excitement, surprise, those are great emotions. 
um, and you want to use those and experience those. And by the way, when you did that, Kevin, you were using excitement as a strategic tool. Correct. And that's exactly what I want people to do. Because when you acknowledge one emotion, you then empower yourself to acknowledge all emotions. Correct. And and when somebody did have a negative emotion, uh, in, like on a Friday night or whatever, and they and they were having a breakdown or it was a problem, then we would address it because it was it was a, a, we were able to have that kind of dialogue back and forth. So it was it, it really worked out very well. So and um, let's get your information out again, doctor so that we can make sure that people get to your blog, which is theemotionsdoctor.com, right? Yes, T-H-E-E-M-O-T-I-O-N-S. You got to put the S on there, theemotionsdoctor.com. And the, the two books that he's written that I encourage you to get, they're, they're, they're both uh, really well written, and uh, they, they, they give you something to think about as emotions as tools rather than something that can, can control you. Exactly. Because you can actually control them if you know how to do it right. You can use them as strategic tools. That's absolutely correct. And and that's the empowering. That's the uplifting message that I really want your listeners to get. I mean, this is positive talk radio. So what we're the positive message here is that you can learn to use your emotions as tools, which will then empower you to be more effective in dealing with yourself and with others in your work setting and at home. That's the positive message here. You can learn to do it. You've learned to use tools in all kinds of settings. You've learned to use tools at work. You've learned to use tools at home. If your emotions are, and they are just tools, you can learn to use them. And it would it really would be beneficial for you to dig deeply into yourself to find out why you do what you do exactly. and why you respond the way you respond or react the way you react. Um, it would be very helpful to have that information up front so that you can take uh, steps to avoid doing something incredibly stupid that you have to apologize for later. That's exactly correct. Again, I want to empower people to use their emotions because in our society, too often people feel that their emotions control them. They feel they don't really have the ability to manage the behavior that they're exhibiting and the behavior's getting them in trouble. And I want to, I want to avoid that. And I appreciate that very much, doctor. By the way, this interview is going to be up on Positive Talk Radio dot net in the next day or so and you can go there and if if you know somebody that's got an emotional issue that needs to get control of their emotions this would be a great episode for them to listen to so uh with that um we are running out of time uh the good doctor so let's get your information out one more time all right it's the emotionsdoctor.com which is my blog and that's where you want to go. My books are available on Amazon.com and Barnes and Noble. You can order them. They're all over the place. And I suggest that you get the information you need to help you learn to master your emotions as strategic tools. Thank you so much, doctor. And you have a great day and, and be kind to one another because each other's all we got. We'll see you Wednesday at four. 